CMM listeners, welcome to episode six of The Prospect. This week, I'm on the road working, so I called into CMM headquarters to do a special interview with our resident MBA savant, the Greek, to discuss Wemby, John Moran, and the Greek's beloved Phoenix Suns. Criminal-minded media listeners, welcome to episode six of The Prospect. Today, we have a special episode with our resident NBA expert, Jack of all trades, The Greek. The Greek, how are you today? I'm good, Don. How are you? Thank you for joining us for our special edition of The Prospect. So, Greek, I got three things to talk to with you about. The first is, give me your rundown. We covered the John Morant story in the last episode. You tell me, where does this story go? What are your sources telling you? Uh, I guess let's start with my hopes of where this story goes are that this is a giant wake-up call for Ja Morant. More than that, the potential of being charged with a a gun charge, having a gun in a strip club in Colorado, uh, my understanding is that's illegal. So hopefully no criminal charges come from this. But my hope is that this is the end of it and John Morant goes on to a very successful and and, uh, controversy-free career. My fear is that this is just the beginning of something much worse. I'm old enough to have lived through watching Allen Iverson go through things like this as a young player, and I just hope this wakes him up versus this is the beginning of a car crash. That brings up my next question. How many games will John Morant be out for? What is the speculation here of when he actually plays basketball again? It's interesting because I've heard a couple different things, and, and you know, everything is just whispers. There's no official statements other than his statement saying he's going to take time to work on himself and, and correct this problem. One of the things that's been making the rounds is that Ja is getting himself help for whether it's an alcohol or a drug issue. So that's one of the rumors that's out there floating about right now. I'm not sure if you saw the story in yesterday's New York Post about this situation in which they must have paid off somebody at that club, Shotgun, was it Shotgun Willie's, I believe, uh, in Colorado, where they actually produced surveillance photos from the surveillance video from that topless club he was at. And quite honestly, I've never seen anything like it. We're talking an entire room where Jaw is by himself, shirtless. Anybody who's been in a strip club knows what it looks like to get a lap dance, and that appeared to be what was happening, other than Jaw not having his shirt on. And literally every inch of the floor, every inch of every table was covered in cash. I mean, God knows how much money he had actually thrown around. But there, you could not see carpet. You could not see tabletops. Everything was covered in cash with everything that had come out literally a week before this situation came to a head with regards to that Washington Post story. And prior to that, the story with regards to the Indiana Pacers altercation. You would think that those two things back to back would have scared Josh straight. And instead... You know, just days later, he's dancing around on his own Instagram live video, waving a gun around. And that does not strike me as someone 
who's working with a clear mind at the time. My concern is that this turns into an extended absence that, you know, hopefully he's back by the playoffs starting in mid-April, but right now it's all bets are off. Thank you, Greek. The next topic that I want to delve into is obviously throughout the prospect, we've been tracking the story of Wemby. With the story of Wemby, it's sort of been twofold is We've been telling or tracking in real time the rise of what everyone is calling this next billion-dollar superstar in the NBA. So as far as the season goes, we're halfway through. How is it shaking out in terms of who's looking like the possible teams that are going to get Wemby come the NBA draft this summer? So it's interesting. Everybody at the beginning of this season expected this to be the all-time tankathon of tankathons, where literally 15, 20 teams are trading away their best players in, in order to get a lottery ticket to potentially get Wemby at season's end. And that is not how the season has played out. It, it, it seems to be, whether it's just because uh, the NBA is dealing with a tremendous amount of parity right now, uh, but... The tanking has not reached that all-time craziness that most people expected. That being said, there's definitely a group of teams that have separated themselves with uh, the tank for Wemby strategy. I would put the San Antonio Spurs number one on that list. They, uh, I think they just lost 16 straight at some point. It's quite obvious San Antonio is tanking for Wemby. There's no doubt about it. There are a number of other teams. I would add the Detroit Pistons to that category the Charlotte Hornets to that category. You can kind of go down the list. You know, it's funny, even some of the young and bad teams like the Orlando Magics of the world have continued to be competitive. And we're about a month away from the season ending. But I would say the, the leaders at the final turn right now for Wemby Services would have to be San Antonio, Detroit, Charlotte. But there are about eight or nine teams that have kind of pushed their chips all in to try to get Wemby. Everybody else seems to be fighting for these play-in spots or playoff positioning. So it's been a surprise when you consider that Wemby is probably the greatest prospect, if not ever, definitely since someone like Lou Alcindor, that more teams haven't uh, jumped into Tankathon full force. Interesting. And obviously, you're going to have the lottery, and that'll play out, and there's always a bit of chance to that. The last little bit of, let's call it, NBA prognostication would be with, I know, a team that's near and dear to your heart and a fluke accident in one of maybe the best prospects of all time, Kevin Durant. Where is Durant? When will he be back? What are they saying? What are the insiders saying? Tell me, Greek. Okay, well, let's start with, for those who aren't that familiar with the Phoenix Suns, uh, and the curse of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the, the Phoenix Suns have been cursed since they lost the coin flip for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1969. Whether it was losing that coin flip, whether it was uh, Amari Stoudemire's tippy toes touching the court in 2007, causing a suspension, and them losing to the San Antonio Spurs in the 07 playoffs. The latest entry to the Phoenix Suns curse is Kevin Durant, uh, it appeared to be bit by a snake in the layup line before his home debut against the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
people in Phoenix, from what I'm hearing, are breathing a gigantic sigh of relief because initially there were concerns that this was a grade two to grade three sprained ankle that could keep him out the rest of the season. That is not the case. I would guess within two weeks, Durant is, if not in the lineup, cleared to get back in the lineup. So as a Suns fan, uh, complications should be placed in between Phoenix and Suns when you talk about the team. But barring any complications, my expectation is Kevin Durant will be back in the lineup the last five to six regular season games, and then the Suns will try to get some momentum and some cohesion with Durant in the starting lineup going into the playoffs. Instead of having 20 games to do this, they've got a handful of games, five or six, before rolling into the playoffs and trying to win a championship. So the Phoenix Suns curse is alive and well. That being said, I would not bet against them because Kevin Durant, in my opinion, is one of the 10 greatest basketball players ever to lace up sneakers. And if he's healthy with Devin Booker, DeAndre, and Chris Paul, they have as good a shot as anybody to be holding up that trophy at the end of the season. Thank you, Greek. I I like that analysis. And lastly, uh, before I let you go, you know, I'm seeing a sort of a new trend. When the Wemby story broke, it was during Summer League Vegas, and it's all everyone could talk about, obviously, with it being the summer and it's the NBA. It was a bigger story. But, you know, I've seen guys like Charles Barkley come out recently and just say, you know, hold on a second here, guys. How are we anointing this kid as the, the next NBA superstar? And what Chuck was basically saying is, is listen, this kid's playing against guys over in Europe. Let's see him against uh, Giannis or, you know, some of these, a, a joker. Like, let's see him play against the big boys here. What do you think of that? I think, I think Barkley and those guys have a point, but the key word here is prospect. We're talking about a guy who's, what, 18 years old at this point, and, and I've, unfortunately, being a little bit advanced in age like I am, I've been through this with every prospect you can think of probably since, God, the late 70s, early 80s, when I really became a hoop head. I saw this with... Ralph Sampson, I saw this with Akeem Olajuwon, I saw this with Patrick Ewing, and all the way through to LeBron James. When these players slash prospects first come on the scene, they are the greatest thing since sliced bread. They are the greatest prospect anybody's ever seen. And slowly but surely, it happens to everyone. I, I still remember people talking about, is LeBron James really that great a prospect in his senior year in high school? And this is... This is just what happens. It, the, the market kind of overcorrects. And so they go from, you know, just drooling over these skills they're seeing from this young player to now nitpicking everything possible to tear down this player. Does Wemby need to put on weight? Absolutely. Is he going to get bullied by the big guys when he first gets to the league? Absolutely. Just like any other 18, 19-year-old kid whose body is not fully developed yet would get bullied by these guys. Heck, go back and watch Giannis uh, in his rookie year. He looked like a beanpole. And so this is just what they do. It's almost a perfect dichotomy of, of the way our country is in general with celebrity slash sports. Uh, they build you up 
only so they can tear you down. And it feels like we have reached the teardown portion of the Wemby story right now. And you'll start, my bet is, as we get closer to draft day, you'll even hear some idiots saying, you know, if I had the first pick, I'm not so sure I wouldn't draft Scoot Henderson or uh, the kid from Alabama, Brandon Miller. But it's all just a bunch of, can I curse on this? It's all a bunch of bullshit. It's Wemby is a once in a lifetime prospect. Does he have to grow? Does he have to fill into his body? Of course he does. But this is just how it works. And as someone who has watched basketball religiously for going on 40 years now, I can honestly say I've never seen a prospect quite like him. And under that premise, we haven't talked about him that much on the current episodes of The Prospect. But what are your feelings on Scoot Henderson? I love Scoot Henderson. I I absolutely love him. And it's funny, you know, Scoot is kind of suffering from the same critiques that Wimby is right now. As a matter of fact, I was looking at uh, uh, one of my favorite writers, Kevin O'Connor, NBA writers, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer yesterday released his, his newest draft guide slash mock draft. And he has Scoot Henderson falling to third behind uh, Brandon Miller from Alabama. And it's kind of incredible because three weeks ago, Brandon Miller had supplied the gun that one of his teammates used in a homicide. And we were wondering if he'd be going to prison. And now he has a string of pretty amazing basketball games for Alabama. And Kevin O'Connor moves him to second on his big board ahead of Scoot Henderson. I feel like... Scoot is similar to Wemby in that he got so much hype and so much love early. I also feel uh, Wemby is suffering. Both guys are suffering from something. It's it's called NCAA tournament recency bias. I mean, we've seen this. This is a story as old as time. A guy has a big NCAA tournament stretch or NCAA tournament run. All of a sudden, their draft stock skyrockets based on a handful of great games in high leverage situations. When it's all said and done, the two best prospects in this draft are Wemby and Scoot Henderson. As a Suns fan, I'll tell you this. If the Phoenix Suns had the number two pick in the draft, I would drive down to Suns headquarters and bang on their door until they let me in so I could convince them to draft Scoot Henderson to be the heir apparent to Chris Paul because he is a once-in-a-decade point guard prospect. And Wemby will be number one. Scoot will be number two. And quite honestly, I don't see as much as I like Brandon Miller's game. Uh, and I, I, I think I might have just butchered his name. But as much as I like Miller's game, I wouldn't take anybody ahead of either of those two guys that we have uh, kind of been following since the hype train started. Well, Greek, I appreciate the insight. This was episode six of the prospect criminal minded media. Thank you and see you soon. Thanks for having me.